Hi, everyone. This is Sheila Zelinsky, and welcome to the Sheila Zelinsky Show. It is June of 2023. What I want to do today is I really wanted to do a show for you folks that I think will be incredible deliverance and incredible blessing. And so without further ado, I just want to jump into the program. Mark Sellers is a good friend of the program. He's over there in Colorado, affiliated there with Western Colorado Church of Deliverance. That is Pastor Sharon Monty Mulkey's group, and the information is linked below. You can go to wccd.store. Mark, welcome back to the program. I really think this is such an incredible message, and I think people are going to get a lot of healing, deliverance, and people are just going to be so blessed. Very, very powerful. And without further ado, I'll hand you the mic. You get into it and throw it back to me at the end when you're ready. Thank you, Sheila. I appreciate that. It's good to be back with you. It's good to hear your voice again. It's been a little while. I'm grateful for this opportunity. I'm so glad that God gives us what we need at the time that we need it. And he tells his kids what, what's coming up and what's going on. And and this is one of those topics and messages. The message is on humanism. humanism. And I'm going to begin with Romans 1. We see the explanation, really, what is humanism. We see the symptoms of it, the result of it in that chapter And I'm going to begin with verse 20. It's actually starting with 18 through 25 of Romans 1, but I'm going to begin with verse 20. Um, This is Paul writing to the church uh, people, folks at Rome. Verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Who who are they? It's the people that he talks about um, starting in verse 18. Um, Verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And I want to highlight what Paul is describing here is humanism. It's the lie that began in the garden, and this false teaching that Paul is addressing here is humanism. Humanism is the worshiping of the creation, man, mankind, in place of God. It's a total replacement of God as God with man. That's why in verse the end of verse 20 there, toward the end, it says, even his eternal power and Godhead is shown in these invisible things that God has creation. The creation speaks of God. And man has said, because of the influence of the enemy, nope, we're going to change the truth of God into a lie, verse 25. That passage ends there. And worship and serve the creature more than the creator. And this message is going to look at, it's going to take a broad brush. As as you know, um, you've covered many different aspects and implications of humanism as well. Your Green Gospel book, Technogeddon, for example, and other things. And I'm just going to give a a broad brush of some things that are the influences in our world today of this root underlying kingdom 
known as humanism. What is humanism? I'll define it later, but for now it's a doctrine of devils. Humanism does not come from God. It's a demonic philosophy. It's a high thing against God. It's a total perversion of God's purpose. God's purpose is God be God. He creates creation for his purposes, and as we know, the chief end of man is for God's purpose. It's to glorify him. It's not to look and see what we can get out of life. As I used to teach years ago, I, I, I have the acronym, I think it's called WIFM. I called it the WIFM principle, and that stands for what's in it for me. And that's humanism in a nutshell. Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, that famous passage many of us have mem- memorized. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. Right? And then casting, skipping to verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Humanism is a high thing. It's an imagination, and it's a very high thing, and it rules and reigns in this land today. Just a clarity point, humanism is not humanitarianism. Just to be clear, a lot of people hear the terms, and they sound similar, but they mean totally different things. Humanitarianism is the proper concern for human beings and the human condition. That's not what humanism is. So I just want to point that out because the enemy likes to get in there, as we prayed against already. He likes to get in and twist words and definitions and meanings. Humanism is a demonic kingdom. It rules over North America and other parts of the rest of the world. It's more prominent in what we've known as first world nations. Developing nations, developing countries, humanism is there. And the underpinnings are there because it's being exported. North America is a huge exporter. So is the UK. We have a short list of these types of things. And each one could cast as wide a net as possible to everyone to say, well, humanism doesn't affect me. Yes, it does. (laughs) It is the underlying foundation beneath things such as moral relativism. You know, what's good for you is good for you. may not be right. Good for me. Secularism. Pragmatism. Pragmatism is the, you know, the end justifies the means. We just prove it's true because it works. Well, it might work, but it might not be right. Ecumenicalism, that's that oneness. We're all coming into agreement around the central beliefs. Empiricism, I'm going to talk a little more about empiricism. Empiricism is the observable scientific facts, quote-unquote. Evolution, humanism is behind evolution. Deconstruction and deconstructionism. Deconstruction is a huge thing. You know, a lot of people deconstructing their faith, and as we've heard, many, many, many people walking away from God totally. Well, some weren't there to begin with, others were, and they they got on that lie train, and they went away from God. Socialism, communism, humanism is underlying those. These are just a few, and there there are others. It is also behind things that we see that Christians would say are wrong with the world today. Abortion, gender confusion, indoctrination into the enemy's belief system. Humanism is a very, very subtle underlying lie that erodes the foundation of God's truth, again, as we saw in in Romans 1, and it leads us to having demonic beliefs in our belief system. Worshiping creation. What is that today? Idolatry. You know, man. Man's the center. Mankind. Bad doctrine. False teaching. It does away with God. At its core, it does away with God and replaces him with a man-made God. Ultimately, we know humanism is moving us on, started in the garden, and it was going to move us until the end when the enemy finally thinks he's going to get his forced worship of God's creation. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, 4, Paul talks about another gospel, another Jesus, and another spirit. 
And that other spirit there is the spirit of Antichrist, and that's part of what drives humanism, anti-God. We live today in a postmodern world. That's another. Humanism is underlying the postmodernism and into post-God. We are now in, especially in North America continents, we are in a post-God society. And we'll look at a little bit more about that. Humanism is a secular, godless worldview. That's really what it is. There are other terms for it that you may hear. And the terms are just the enemy's attempt at creating his own little dictionary so that we will be confused. But I'm going to give you a couple. There's something called modern humanism, as if there's an old humanism. <laughs> it's, it's all the same. Naturalistic humanism. There's scientific humanism. There's ethical humanism. Democratic humanism. I'll mention that. There's actually a humanism party that's developing and some leaders in our nation's capital. There is Christian humanism. There is humanistic Judaism. There's religious humanism. There's all these flavors of humanism. So where did it come from? Well, it started in the garden, as I mentioned, and I will get to that. But in our culture and society of kind of today, people claim that it's an 18th century enlightenment uh, rationalism that led into the 19th century free thought. So when we hear things like enlightened, New Age, modern teachings that are anti-biblical, anti-God, often they stem from this humanist foundation. Free thought. We hear free, free thinking, free thought. Religious humanism emerged out of what's known as ethical culture. There are ethical societies that look like churches, they act like churches, they're really just community social gathering places, but they do influence and teach philosophy and, and, and doctrine, not godly doctrine, and they influence people's lives. Unitarianism. Many people are familiar with the Unitarian and Universalism. The Unitarian Church, quote-unquote, organization is all humanistic, and many of the leaders of humanism in North America and the UK are from the Unitarian, quote, church. The humanistic philosophies are focused, as you would guess, on humans. Human beings, not God, see that's the replacement, are at the center of all of their thinking. Their worldview is centered around mankind, period. They throw out the supernatural, they throw out the true meaning of of Christianity, of God, they throw that out. Um, Anything dealing with God, the Bible, angels, demons, etc., is not considered. Even with that statement that I just made, Sheila, we can see that there are many movements today that are based on this humanistic deception. Why don't people believe in deliverance? Why don't people understand that there is a soul, there's a spiritual nature of man? There are things that you can't see, touch, and sometimes experience or be aware of that affect your choices. They affect your life today. And humanists basically are blind by choice to that part of life. So they're missing a huge part of the reality of God. And as I mentioned often, they live in an unreal state. Humanists seem to be, for a lot of people, they seem to be intellectual. They focus on that. They focus on, that's why the Enlightenment period, which was a reaction to the Dark Ages, right? Cultures always move from one thing to the other. So we had the Dark Ages, and then, oh, here comes the light. Well, it's the light of the enemy, not God's light. And we have this Enlightenment period, and they move into this intellectual. Everything's done at the surface level. That's why empiricism 
is so widely purported by humanists because they teach that that's everything that's observable, scientific reason, science. You know, we heard this with the pandemic. You know, you got to trust the science, and no one would ever define what their science was. Of course, the enemy never defines his terms, but they're different than God's terms, right? He's got a dictionary, God has a dictionary. So, there's this movement to rely solely on that which can be known as they want to define it. It's coinciding in around the mid-1800s or so. Humanism and the proponents of it drove an attack on the Word of God. It drove a demonic response to the movement. God was at at work. Uh, He's always at work, but he, he was doing something special, and there was some unique kind of revivals happening, and people were, their lives were indeed being changed through various servants of God that he used to proclaim his word. And there seemed to be this extra outpouring of the Holy Spirit or whatever it was that that God was at, at work. And the enemy comes right along, his normal, and brings in this humanistic movement, teachings, and influencers in that 1818-50 time frame. And those who know behind the scenes what goes on knew the enemy was planning that. He planned it. It happened. God knew it. He allowed it. And now today he's showing us these types of influences. There was a period of time, you know, when Nietzsche declared God is dead. Hitler rose to power, you know, in the 1900s. And a great deal of things happened in this period from 1900 up into the mid-60s and to today. But that was a huge period of growth for the kingdom of the enemy. John Dewey rose up influencing education. He was a staunch humanist. Humanism organizations have their heroes. John Dewey is one. Margaret Sanger is also one. And a few other people are as well as Isaac Asimov. And I'll give you a few names to see who they hold up. And if people don't know, they'll say, oh, okay, that explains it. If you read Isaac Asimov or Carl Sagan or or heard some of these other people or are familiar with some terms that we might get to as far as education, etc., you can understand that these are all based on humanism. So the Bible, it gets disallowed. It begins to be thrown out of schools. We begin to move as a nation here and around Again, in those first world nations, they're disproving the Bible, quote-unquote. Darwin moves in, others, Huxley and, again, Margaret Sanger and a whole bunch of others. Jesus Christ gets labeled as either a myth or just a man. The divinity of of Christ being the God-man has been reduced to kind of nothingness. And so the whole end of being of man becomes happiness. And what do I mean by the whole end, or what is the end, or the chief end? Those are terms that we use. They're not used so much in in society. Today, it means, what's the end game? What's the goal? Why are we here? It answers that question. Why, Why am I here? Humanists say, I'm here to make the most out of life, right? Remember that old phrase, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. There is no other reason. Now, you may have already been thinking, if you've listened this far, you may be thinking, well, where's the hope? And that's exactly the problem. Where is the hope? Romans 1 began with worshiping the creation rather than the creator. I don't know about you, but if I know something is created, I want to find out who created it, right? I want to, I want to know the creator because the created thing never equates or surpasses the creator. And that's God's principle. Contrary to what we hear about AI, contrary to what we hear about supercomputing or whatever it is, fill in the blank, the creation will never supersede the creator. Contrary to what you see in the Marvel movies with Ultron and others, right? (laughs) You know, Skynet 
isn't going to supersede God. Another thing to know with humanism, and I bring this out because it's a key point to the truth of the underlying demonic roots of humanism, and that's this. There is an organization, there's a group of people in an association, American Humanistic Association, there's Humanist UK, there's one in every nation that practices and promotes humanism. And that director has said this, quote, the secular humanist tradition is a tradition of defiance. They claim that this tradition dates back to the character Prometheus, who was idolized by ancient Greeks as the one who defied Zeus. According to the Greek mythology, the writings, which as we know, they're not really myths, right? They're demon gods, small g gods. He stole the fire of the gods and brought it down to earth. For this, he was punished. And yet, he continued his defiance amid his tortures. This is the root of the humanist challenge to authority. Now, as I mentioned that in the 60s, humanism really, there were a lot of things that happened in that, in that late 50s through the early 70s time, especially in North America. You know, we had the, the civil rights movements. We had a number of other things going on. It was a time of anti-establishment, right? It was a time of kind of a national up, uprising of rebellion and defiance. And that is one of the key litmus tests that tells us that humanism is not of God, right? God's not going around teaching his people to give God the middle finger, curse him and die, like Job's wife said. But that's what humanism promotes. Today, we are reaping the benefits of what has been sown then and sowing even worse seeds of iniquity there. It's interesting, they, they idolized the character Prometheus. It's actually the publishing company of most of the humanist authors, including Isaac Asimov, Victor Stanger, and some others. The famous humanist Paul Kurtz, who was one of the authors of the various humanist manifestos, established that publishing company in 1969. Again, we see those dates. We know the real origin of the defiance that goes back to Adam and Eve in the garden. Here we go. Let's look at Genesis 3, the passage 1 through 5. I'm not going to read that, um, but the listeners can open their Bibles, put a pause on this, and Genesis 3, 1 through 5, and here we are seeing Satan, represented by a snake, invites Eve to think for herself about whether to eat the fruit God had forbidden, right? He's offering a suggestion. He's offering what we know as an antichrist spirit. He's offering an alternative, another way. He suggested that in making her own decision, she would, what? What, what was the the perceived benefit, which she would become like God, right? She would be able to distinguish and decide right and wrong for herself. She would obtain knowledge of both good and evil, which God said, no, that's, that's not why he created us. Satan presented the underlying philosophy of self determination to Eve as higher level thinking, something positive and good for her to do. And Satan invited Eve to cast away God's rules, think for herself. Based upon Satan's sales pitch for humanism, Eve was deceived, right? Paul echoes that in 1 Timothy 2.14. So the question then for us today is, if Adam and Eve, who were sinless at this moment before they gave in, created in God's image, in God's presence, if they sinned, what hope is there for mankind now? That's the question. We know the answer is that it's God. God provided a way. He knew the outcome of Eve and Adam's decisions, and he had already put in place his son Jesus to come and take care of that situation. 
the problem with humanism among many is a valid logical question that they don't like the humanists don't like to debate they love to debate stuff but they don't like being confronted with true truth because they believe there is no absolute truth that's why you get into deconstruction moral relativism etc because they throw out the very foundation of truth god is the author god created this playground and the rules in which we live and they don't like it but that doesn't mean the rules don't apply we want to ask the question how can we think that we can act morally ethically or rightly and these are their terms without a moral compass that points true north one based on god's truth that's a capital t truth god's definition of truth is god it's his word it's him speaking you don't separate his word from himself who says what's wrong what's right god does but you see if you replace god with man then you're stuck right the enemy's kind of stuck here the enemy has a problem so to speak i don't believe this is just an academic intellectual exercise what i'm about to say i think it's something we have to wrestle with that if we in our own lives replace god in some area of our life what has he been replaced with right and thank god we have holy spirit to come and illuminate his word god comes and he shows us what his dictionary definitions of right, wrong, ethics, morality, thus saith the Lord, versus, oh, you know what? Pragmatism says, oh, you know, this works. The humanists, like any demonic ploy and plan, speaks out of both sides of their mouth. They're not congruent. They're not honest. They say they are, but they're not. Even pragmatism comes to say, well, if it works, it's good, but they promote evolution. Evolution doesn't work. All of the things that they've done historically, they don't work. There's always a lie. Humanism breeds rebellion. It breeds rebellion. It started with rebellion in heaven, right? There was rebellion in the time of Noah. There was rebellion in the nation of Israel. And around the world, there was rebellion going on today, especially in North America, in our country, our nation here, United States. We've thrown God out of every segment of our culture, of our society, of every area of our life. It's just the same old movie on repeat. Humanism is rooted in rebellion. That's why it breeds rebellion, as we know, like begets like. We also see pride at work. Everything that God has established and everything, and that's pride, right? Romans 1, that's a picture of pride. Man rises up who is a created being. He's creation, mankind, and says, nope, I get to play God. I'm going to be God. Well, that's pride, right? We know the account of when uh, Jesus gives of Satan fall like lightning from heaven, right? He is going to ascend into the throne and he's going to get the worship. That's pride. Some people say pride is the essence of sin. And there is pride leads to that rebellion. Why am I making a big deal out of this? Why have we spent a, a good deal of time on this? Because I want to paint the picture that there's no good in humanism. There's no good thing that can come out of this because it's bad. As Jesus said to the Pharisees, how can you, being evil, speak anything that's good? How can you do anything that's right? You can't because the DNA, so to speak, of that plant is corrupt. So any fruit that comes out of that plant, the plant of humanism, will be corrupt. I mentioned Margaret Sanger, and I'm going to give a few of the tenets or the, the teachings, the principles behind humanism and some other heroes. One of the earliest of the American Humanist Association's Humanist of the Year Award was Margaret Sanger, who we know is famous for beginning Planned Parenthood. 
who received that award in 1957. Again, there's that time frame. I encourage people to take note of these time frames and see there are shifts that happen in key periods of time. We're living in the influence of that. And our ancestors were during that time. So it's something to pray about the generational things that were passed down. She was honored for her activism for, quote, birth control and sex education. Yeah, right. Sanger was just the first of many of the leading feminists and reproductive rights activists to work closely with this humanist association. Mary Calderon, Betty Friedan in the 70s, Faye Waddleton and Margaret Atwood in the 80s. Some of you may be familiar with their names. Barbara Ehrenreich in the 90s. And most recently, the poster girl for feminism and women's rights, quote-unquote, Gloria Steinem. She won that award in 2012. In the 60s, the American Humanist Association was active in challenging the illegality of abortion, the abortion bans. It was the first national membership organization to support abortion rights, even before Planned Parenthood expanded, because Planned Parenthood grew out of these other movements. Humanists were instrumental in the founding of leading pro-choice organizations, such as the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice and NARAL Pro-Choice America. Secular humanists are proud. Remember that pride word? They're proud of their advocacy for a secular state and wholeheartedly fight for the separation of church and state. They are proud of the, quote, progress, they call it progress, that they have brought to Europe and the United States in these areas. Above all, they relish the enlightenment that comes to people as they cast aside preconceived ideas and think for themselves. This is why it's also the root of deconstructionism. It's built upon a lie. We know the ultimate source of this is Satan and his kingdom of darkness. It's the ultimate expression of anti-God, as we've mentioned. What do humanists believe? Let's look at that quickly. I've mentioned some of the foundational things that come out of it. Why? We have to answer the question why. I think it's important. They believe, first and foremost, the universe is self-existing and not created. Well, there you go. That's why I started with Romans 1. It is created. And these people have said, talk to the hand, God. You don't exist. Uh, We're going to go do our own thing. In Romans 1, verse 24 and 25, verse 24 is the key there. Paul's saying, because of what I just said, God also gave them. Who's them? These people in verse 23 that changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Okay? Humanists. He gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. See, this is where these things come from. These things being part of the gender confusion, part of the homosexual perversion that the demons love to inflict and, and bring to people. It's because of this. So just a note, if, if this is something that is in your family, it's in you, it's in your, your family line, explore that with the Lord. Ask the Lord about that. Say, Father, is this in my line? It probably is, you know, unless you grew up under a rock in some place that's never heard the voice of another human being. We're all, the whole world is influenced by this. Again, it goes back to the garden. That's key. So the first principle that humanists believe, their foundational principles are the universe is self-existing and not created. There are many more. I'm just giving a few. Number two, man is a part of nature and that he's emerged as a result of a continuous process. Evolution. Humanists believe in and teach evolution. Darwin was one of their darling heroes. He was the poster boy 
of humanist evolution. Again, think about it. If the enemy throws God out, what do you replace it with? You have to have an explanation for what you see around you. We don't all live in a hologram, although there are those that propose that explanation, but we live in a universe created by God, and the enemy says, nope, 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 not going to have any of that. Oh, let's let's bring Darwin in. Let's bring evolution. Yep, that'll work. The principle number three, the principle of the separation of church and state. But it's not as we think about it. It's not as we think about it. Remember the rebellion? Remember the defiance? Remember Prometheus? There's a reason that we, we I covered those and brought those up. The plank, that's the soapbox on which they stand to say no. Church, quote-unquote, no God, quote-unquote, no God believers, no Christians. You can't tell us. You can't control us. Everything needs to be secular. Everything needs to be just without any kind of, even a hint, a waft of a smell of anything, quote, godly. No one is going to tell them what to do. They desire freedom from religion. That is also another influence. There's an organization very powerful. Ask Christians in the military. They've been battered and battered and battered by this freedom from religion. By the way, this will lead to blaming Christians for everything. This is why this matters, folks. It matters because this is the setup. The road has been paved well, and it's not a surprise to God. It's not a surprise to his people because he's giving us these types of messages so that we can learn, see, and we can be like the sons of Issachar and discern the times and look around and say, yeah, I'm seeing everything being set up for the blaming of those stubborn, rebellious God followers who won't quit, they won't die, and they can't squash out God's word, and so we'll become the scapegoats for everything, and it will be at the hand of these humanists. This is the foundation upon which the systems of what we know, the end, to be built upon, humanism, because it's anti-God. It is the culmination of anti-Christ spirits, which literally means alternative There are no human values, number four. There are no human values. Why? Because there's no supernatural or cosmic guarantee that you weren't created. You're a fluke. You're a thing. You're you're 80 pounds of water in a sack of organic material and DNA and stuff, and we flounder around this world, and there is no human value. That's why they are proponents of things like perversions and gender change and, quote, gay rights and homosexual things and and just all kinds of perverse and abominable practices because you're just a thing driven by hormones and needs and whatever. Even though they claim to use logic, reason, and intellect, they're more like animals than not. That's why I pointed out that verse in Romans 1. Because God has said, okay, you want to go that path, you can go that path. But I need you to understand that it will lead you to these abominable behaviors, as he says in verse 24 of Romans 1. This is also the foundation of empiricism. I said I would define that. Knowledge of the world is derived by observation, experimentation, and rational analysis. What we know is the scientific method. You come up with a hypothesis, if you took science in school, Like, if you're old as I am, we were taught eh, reasonable science, (coughs) at least the scientific method. You have a hypothesis, you do some tests, and then you prove whether it's right or not. Today, there is no right or not, so hypotheses aren't taught. They're not used. There are no hypotheses today. It's whatever. Whatever is the buzzword of the humanist. And it's called empiricism. So because they weren't there to observe God creating the world, they, they say it. he didn't do it. They say there's no evidence to things. Um, even though they're 
they're lying, of course. So that's empiricism. What good is faith? You can't measure it. You can't touch it. You can't quantify it. How do you measure your spiritual condition? How do you do that? Well, you know what's interesting, and this is a whole other message, is God over and over and over in the scriptures in the Old Testament, and it refers to it in the New Testament as well, for those who believe the two are separate. They're not. Same God. Same guy speaking. So anyways, he says over and over and over, God weighs the spirits. That's that word ponder often in Proverbs and, and Psalms in the Old Testament. They ponders. The word made in Hebrew, one of the meanings is he weighs. The spirits have weight. God has scales. And God measures and does this justice and brings equity and his judgment according to his measures of standards. Pastor Monty has a fantastic series on God's standards and measurements. And they're real and they exist. And they, God is binary. There is two kingdoms, light and dark. There is on and off. There is right and wrong. There is black and white and left and right. There are sheep and there are goats. There's never a third option in God's creation, in his universe, in his realm and his domains. So empiricism this is the humanist, this is the satanic means of determining things. This empiricism is what introduced came here from Europe, the UK and, and Europe, and, and through all kinds of segments of science, through philosophy, through artwork, every segment of our culture and society. This has been introduced, and it has slowly eroded the truth of God. The next one is, it's time for several varieties of new thought, they say. They say new thought. The world is now, as I mentioned, postmodern. It's emergent. You may have heard of like emergent church and the emergent movements. We're past that now. We are into truly post-God society and civilization. And basically the humanist catchphrase, among their other ones, is out with the old. Okay, can you say, say it with me, cancel culture, woke that's where these come from. They come from humanism. Um, we're going to throw all the old stuff out because it's no good. It hasn't worked, it, and it's and it's old, it's moldy, it's smelly, it's defective. Because if, if it worked, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in. So obviously there's a better way. And we know that's a lie. Ecumenicalism. Everything must exist for the fulfillment of human life. A lot of focus of what they call religion and spirituality is on like nature and beauty and artwork. Again, it came out of the Enlightenment times, and then we had the Romantics time. And you know, if you studied writings, classical literature, etc., everything must conform to the humanist goal of the fulfillment of human life, my happiness. And ecumenicalism is the replacement for God's way. God says it's my way or the highway right? Deuteronomy 28. There's a blessing and there's curse. Again, it's binary. There's one way or there's another. There's two paths, two roads, two options given in the garden. It's okay, you can eat from these, but this one you can't, right? There are two vines. There's a vine of Sodom and the vine of God in God's kingdom and domain. Ecumenicalism is basically, let's all come together, right? And we know that the, the Pope has been a huge proponent of it. We know that the, quote, evangelical Christian, quote-unquote, other leaders have been involved in that. The UN has a document, and uh, you can search for it on their website. It's called, quote, Human Fraternity for Peace and Cooperation. It's on the UN.org website, Human Fraternity for Peace and Cooperation. Okay, and that's where the Pope met with this uh, guy in Dubai. It's called the Kazaa Summit in 2019. It was reaffirmed in 2022, just last September, the 7th Congress of Leaders of World and Traditional Religions, and they all signed it. This is great historical significance. That's their quote. Okay. Peace, dialogue, mutual understanding, and mutual respect among believers for the common 
good. You remember the phrase common good, right? Gun laws that are being introduced for the common sense gun laws, for the common good. If it just saves one, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Just saves one whale, one child, one seal, one whatever. The other effect of humanism and ecumenicalism also is driven by consumerism. Consumerism is another area that is built upon humanism because if the chief end in humanism, the chief end of man they teach is my happiness, then what do you think I'm going to do? I am going to look out for me, number one. That's why I call it the WIFM principle. What's in it for me? And that's how they approach life. Their own rules for morality are as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. And as long as it's done in love. And of course, the enemy has redefined hurt and never redefined love. And if I have time, I'll give an example of that. So we're all going to build this community that's, again, ecumenicalism, this community. That's why it's behind socialism. It's behind this communist. It's behind this one world. That's why I believe this is the plank. This is the foundation that leads us to the times we know in, in Scripture, talked about in Revelation. It comes to this one world. They're going to solve all this stuff through humanism. Oh, we're going to solve poverty. We're going to do this. We see the UN today. If you look at the UN today and listen to a lot of Sheila's teachings that have exposed a lot of the work of what the UN is really doing and their policies and the players involved, you can see this taking shape, taking form, and begin to get an understanding of the demons that are involved in these actions. And they're alive and well in our lives because of the influences. I mentioned Dewey, especially North America, went to a public school, even, quote, Christian schools, especially like classical charter schools and others, they're influenced by Dewey. And that is humanistic-based communist socialist indoctrination experiments. These are the influences. It's what the world runs on, so to speak. But God is gracious to show us. God is God is kind and he's merciful in, in, in his kindness. Right? Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, his compassions don't fail, his mercy's new every morning. He is revealing to us so that we can say, Lord, help me with this. Show me. Thank you for showing me. And then we can say, you know, get out of me in Jesus' name. And we can replace these demonic doctrines and things in our belief system with God's truth. That's the hope that we have. There's no hope in humanism. There's none. If I'm just a blob, again, I'm going to get the, give all the gusto I can before I go out in a blaze of glory, and then poof, nothing, right? They're, they're basically nihilists, right? They believe in annihilation. They're, there's no hereafter. Now, the Christian and, and other religious humanists believe in some form of a hereafter, but it's not based on God's truth or what hope they have. They don't really have any hope. And we see that. We see that today. People's hope is dwindling. I mentioned some folks. Let's talk a little bit about, let me give you just a few names and some, some people, some quotes just to be aware of. I must admit that when I was going through this and preparing, the Lord reminded me, yeah, I read a lot of these books, so I did some time praying, repenting, and asking forgiveness and getting rid of any influences from those in my thinking. Even though I was raised in the church as a, as a Christian, I could see the influence even in growing up in my time, even in my belief system in certain areas. Anytime you see labels, or terms such as free thought, I mentioned that earlier, free thinking, free thinker, critical intelligence, critical theory, critical thinking, or the word critical in front of something else. It comes from the humanism false doctrine. It's from the humanism camp. The terms change over the time, right? The generations, they change the terms to protect the guilty. Gloria Steinem, I mentioned, here's a quote. When we speak of equality of women and men, 
of blacks and whites of all the world's people, we are talking about humanism. So when you hear people talk about, you know, we are the world or what was it, Pepsi or Coke or whatever, some commercial and they're all holding hands and, you know, circles and we're all going to be one and I'll agree and I'll kumbaya and coexist and all that stuff. That's a humanist foundation principle. It's a humanist doctrine. It comes again from the enemy because we know in the end there will be this one world system. And they're just prepping everybody for it. Albert Schweitzer, the famous Nobel Peace Prize winner, in his acceptance speech says this, humanism in all its simplicity is the only genuine spirituality. Okay, thank you, Dr. Schweitzer. Isaac Asimov, I mentioned, he says humanists recognize that it is only when people feel free to think for themselves using reason as their guide that they are best capable of developing values that succeed in satisfying human needs. See that? And serving human interests. Okay, he was a past president of that Humanist Association. Again, he's another poster child, and if you've read, I don't recommend it, but if you've read any of his writings or seen movies inspired by them, you will see that. You know, it's it's man, 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 he's going to figure everything out. That's not going to happen. That's not true. It's interesting that 21 years ago, George Barna did a poll in 2002, October, says most Americans believe truth can be discovered only through logic, human reasoning, and personal experience. How many believe that? 54% of Americans. And that was 21 years ago. What is it today? I don't know. It's probably closer to 70 or 65%, I would guess. Last January, the UN Secretary General called for, and I quote, the restoration of humanism to, quote, restore human dignity and human decency. The UN is basically, I would call it the world evangelist for the humanists. It's kind of one of the enemy's uh, spokes organization's mouthpieces. In January of 2022, check this out, Global Digital Compact as part of the upcoming Summit of the Future this September coming up. So that's something you can pray against. Pray against that. Pray they don't get any traction on that. Pray that God exposes the lies, exposes the foes, and just shut them down. In September, just last September, the TED Talk in Florence, Italy, the theme was a renewed humanism. And um, I'm going to read this this statement here just so the listeners can get an idea of other areas of our society and our world in the indoctrination that's going on today, much of which has been taught to us growing up or it's being taught to our children now. This is their statement. The future lies in, check these out, clean energy, social entrepreneurship, climate and sustainable finance, and new technologies at a time of great turmoil in human history. Now, let's put a pin in that. The question when I read this, I stopped and I asked, what's the great turmoil? What is the problem that they've created that they're trying to solve? What is the great turmoil? Clean energy, right? Everything's being blamed on, you know, coal or this or farting cows or something. I don't know. But there's a problem there. Social entrepreneurship? Well, that's an answer to the problem with Capitalism. This is a principle of humanism. It's number nine. Existing capitalism and profit-motivated society is inadequate, and a radical change in methods, controls, and motives must be instituted. That is a humanistic principle. So when you have heard for the last few decades of, of the whole capitalist is bad, capitalism must go, there's a problem. You see, they're, they're beginning to, to use 
neuro-linguistic programming, right, fancy term for words to hypnotize us and indoctrinate us. They're combining problem with capitalism. Their problem of businesses and profit are bad things. The way forward, this is back to the quote of the UN, the way forward. Okay, so this is Hegelian dialectic, right? So we have a problem, great turmoil. What's the problem? Well, the problem is going back to Romans 1, and all these people are coming under the judgment of God because they're violating his rules, but they don't believe in God, so they're trying to come up with a solution that will blame the Christians and create the world that they wanted to create, all the while being puppets for Satan and his team, and he's going to rule and reign. The way forward is the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. We've heard about those, right? They keep pushing the dates out. Now it's UN 2030 agenda. Yeah, and reversing climate change. Ooh, there you go, Sheila. Yep, green gospel. Got to throw that out because, you know, we have to reverse the climate change, right? They're promoting a humanism that looks towards a sustainable, equitable, and harmonious future for all planetary life. These are their words, not mine. And humanist groups such as Humanist International, right? They enjoy special consultant status at the UN in Geneva, Vienna, and New York including UNICEF. NGOs get special privileges under tax laws, etc. Um, don't get me started on those. In official partnership with UNESCO. Okay? Yeah. Listen to Sheila's teachings and she will explain how evil that group is. These are the humanists. They are, in essence, what am I saying? They're in bed with the UN. The UN supports them. They support the UN. Again, the UN is kind of the official mouthpiece for the demonic, satanic regime. And the humanists are working through the UN. Now, in case you think the UN doesn't affect us living in North America, in the United States, I'm here to tell you you're wrong, okay? They affect nations around the world. And so, again, I suggest and propose in this message to, to myself and the listeners to say that are we, in fact, living according to God's dictionary definition in his living word, his word, the Bible, okay? It's not some old dusty book. Don't listen to the deconstruction people who will tell you that the Bible doesn't truly represent Jesus. You have to go to something else to get that. No, it's God's word. It's him speaking, right? And for those in deliverance who God puts in these positions, we can say, come out in Jesus' name. We can get rid of that disembodied spirit and soul personality false personalities of demons and stuff that's in this person, child or adult or whoever, that's telling Billy he should be Barbara or vice versa, right? And so we know what the solution is and the truth. And and I want to emphasize this because this is the reality of where we are today. And the biggest thing is that there's hope. There is a solution. It's not through the UN. It's not through UNESCO. It's not through all this stuff they've talked about. You can come to God come to a deliverance church, get prayer, receive freedom, walk in that truth, being washed by the word on a, on a regular basis. Uh, and there are many, many messages that Sheila has offered and will continue to offer, as well as in our little church at WCCD that will set people free. That is the hope that we have. Um, we know that religion was tossed out of education, thanks to... Uh, a lady named Vashti McCollum, 
who in 1948 won the landmark Supreme Court case, McCollum versus Board of Education. Humanists were supporting her, and she is famous for that. She actually wrote a book, One Woman's Fight, published in 1953, served two terms as president of the American Humanist Association from 62 to 65. She was also one of the signers of the Humanist Manifesto, too. Um, so enough of what they say. Let's. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Of course, Sheila, what we love about you and your shows and the messages you bring as we've talked about many, many times over the years, is it's not just current world events. There's always a reason behind the curtain, right? We're going into Oz land and we see the great wizard is not a great wizard at all, but a coward, demon-filled guy, because God shows us the shoes under the curtain. It's behind the curtain, but we see the little shoes under there. And you always bring the truth from the word of God. Jeremiah 10, 23. Jeremiah 10, 23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Now, one thing about the Bible and God, if he says it once, that should be enough, right? But he says it over and over and over and over because he knows we're cheap and we need to hear it and we forget. Again, no guilt, shame, condemnation, embarrassment in, in any of this. Jeremiah 10, 23 tells us that humanism is not of God because as I said earlier, if Adam and Eve, who were sinless in the presence of God daily, <laughs> succumbed to the ploy of the enemy because they thought God had, there was a better way, there was an alternative, there was a shortcut around God's strict rules of, you can have anything you want, but there's one tree. Well, it wasn't the tree, right? It wasn't the tree. It was what the enemy offered when they violated God's rule. Jeremiah 10, 23 tells us that. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. It's not up to you and I. Proverbs 14, 12 echoes this. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We can't choose our way out of a paper bag. We just can't. Colossians 2, 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. That's what we're talking about. This humanism is a tradition of men. We started with Romans 1. We pointed it out. We went to Genesis 3. And now we're in Paul, again, in writing to the church, the people in Colossae. Isaiah 5, 20 and 21. This is God pronouncing a woe of judgment. Woes are not good. They're never good. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. They're calling evil good. They're calling good evil. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. It's in there twice. Own eyes, own sight, right? That's their own. They're wise in their own ways. God knew this was coming. He said this through Isaiah how many years ago? Romans 8, 7. Romans 8, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. The carnal, carnal, worldly, fleshly, earthly, demonic, humanism. You can put humanistic in there and it'd probably be okay. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. You don't want to be enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. See, these people don't want to be subject to the law of God. That's what Satan wants. He doesn't want, he wants the throne. He's jealous of God. He hates God. He hates us. You know, we're just dirt clods, the demons call us, who are given mercy and grace and forgiveness, and they didn't get that. The demons don't get that. They made one cho choice, and their, their state is sealed forever, but not ours, because God brought Jesus, the kinsman redeemer, the re redemption through the life, death, burial, resurrection of Christ, right? The enemy doesn't get that. They hate that. And so he's trying to get us to come up 
to come in agreement and follow him in this way against God. John 15, 5. John 15, 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. Sorry, I didn't say that first. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. We can't do anything without God, right? It's not in man. It's God in us. 1 Corinthians 2.14, 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. All right, again, what's the master plan of the enemy? The enemy calls us cockroaches. Let's get these, this is, this is the enemy kingdom meetings. Let's get these cockroaches to, to believe that there is no spiritual realm, even though we know there is, because that's where we operate. What a great ploy is that, right? You know, Sheila, if you had to go battle someone and they were a fairly powerful foe, wouldn't one of the best ways for you to overcome that foe was to get them deceived, to believe that you and your forces don't even exist, right? It's like invisibility. The enemy wants to get us to believe throw out all the spiritual stuff, and that's where we are today. That's why we are classified as a post-God society. These developed nations have been influenced by this humanism, doctrines, philosophies, and teachings in every single—I've only covered some. There are others, but we'd be here till you know, next Tuesday or next week or whatever time you listen to this. At a month, we'd be here covering all the implications of this. Humanism is, I believe, the most deadly and disastrous of all the philosophical stenches that has come from Satan's kingdom. I, I like his wording here. It has penetrated so much of our religion, and it is in utter and total contrast with Christianity. Amen to that. Humanism has said, okay, it's fine. You can, if, if you want to believe in a God, Satan says, fine, you can believe in a God, but he will exist for your purposes. God becomes a cosmic vending machine. God becomes this, this entity, this thing to which we go and, you know, Okay, I did a good thing. Where's my cookie? Okay, where's my treat? Where's my cookie? They're selling out God. And it's the betrayal in which we live. And it's worse today. What does it lead us to? It leads us to disaster, Daniel 4. It leads us to Daniel 4. And we see a picture here of Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel 4, starting with verse 30, he says, the king speaks. Is not, he's looking out the window. He's seeing all this stuff. Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power? See the humanism? See the attribute? He's attributing He's attributing all this stuff to his great power, wealth, everything. We see this in, in quote, great, they're not so great, but, quote, great leaders all through history, right? They rise up to power, and they believe they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. They did it all themselves. Man is the center of everything, right? The center of the universe. That's humanism. That's humanism. I did it all. And for the honor of my majesty, verse 31, while the word, okay, God's listening, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will okay so nebuchadnezzar's consequence the result of this humanistic pride defiance arrogance and rebellion is that they shall drive thee from men he is going to be separated out from the people and he will dwell with the beasts of the field May I remind you 
of Romans 1, where we started. Verse 21, because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. I propose to you Nebuchadnezzar fits this description, does he not? He was not thankful. He became, as it says in 21, he became vain in their imaginations, and his foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. What was the image of Nebuchadnezzar? The birds and the four-footed beasts and creeping things? All that he had built. Verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. See, this is the result of humanism. This is God's judgment. This is God's consequence. Just as it was in Romans 1, it is in Daniel 4. Arrogance, a selfish focus, accomplishments for selfish purposes can lead us to insanity and madness. Humanism is insane. If you know, remember nothing else from this, remember this. Humanism is a demonic kingdom and it leads to insanity. Insanity is when we are living contrary to God's ways. We are living in unreality. We're living in what I call unicorn land. It's an illusion. And the great illusion, the thing that's been perpetrated upon mankind by the enemy is the enemy knows it's an illusion. The enemy knows that this is a ploy. The enemy knows the consequences of Nebuchadnezzar. The enemy knows the consequences of Romans 1. The enemy knows the consequences of living in unreality and the insanity and the things that happen, the gender dysmorphia and, and, and identity confusion and all of the humanistic things through perversion, all of this stuff that is promoted through humanism, the enemy knows that it leads to our destruction because it is against God's way. But he doesn't tell mankind that part. He holds that to himself. But God, in his mercy, his infinite mercy, love, and compassion, and his grace, says, no, I will bring people who will expose this. He's done that through Sheila's books. He's done that through teachings of Sheila's and other people through Sheila. He's done that through those who have taught in the years in WCCD and all the resources there, and those who have gone before us. He, he does it by his Holy Spirit. He reveals these things to us because God loves us and he cares about us. And he's provided a solution. Humanism makes gods out of things, which is idolatry. And idolatry leads to a judgment of God. Colossians 1, 12 through 29. Colossians 1. 12 to 29 condemns the selfish, idolatrous thinking of the humanists. James 3, 15 through 16, I'll read this. James 3, 15 to 16 tells us that man's wisdom is earthly, sensual, and devilish. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. You see, that confusion, that confusion is the fruit of a diet of lies. Confusion in the mind, that mental fog, these people can't reason their way out of paper bags. These people, these humanists, these, these influencers, the, these demonic mouthpieces of the enemy camp, they don't speak with one voice except for the voice of the enemy of, of pride, arrogance, defiance, rebellion, etc. But there is strife, there is envying, and there is bickering. Another judgment of God of idolatry 
that applies to those under the deception of humanism is ineffective prayers, Ezekiel 8.18. Ineffective prayers, distant from God. I think I hinted at that earlier. God seems distant for a lot of people. Why does he seem so far away? Why can't I, I, I hear from him? Why does it seem like, you know, prayers are ineffective? Verse 18 of Ezekiel 8, Therefore will I also deal in fury. Mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity. And though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet will I not hear them. The enemy knows this to be true and keeps us separate from the very thing that gives us life and put people in slavery. And that's what will happen to our nation, right? America's headed for that. We are post-God at this point. I mean, we're, we're barely on life support here. These things are coming because of the idolatry. Jeremiah 22, for shedding the innocent blood and for injustice. They have the loss of their homeland, and they go into slavery. That's one instance of this. Uh, Well, shedding innocent blood. Hello, abortion. Other types of, you know, eugenics types of things. Even in deliverance, the question is, well, what is the end game of deliverance? You may be new to deliverance. You know, what is it? Well, what's the goal? What's the why? What is your reason for pursuing it and wanting to be set free? Is it so that we can be free to go and live our own lives? No. That's humanism. Well, I want this problem solved. That's humanism. The old saying is, I I don't want God. I just want his hand, what's in his hand, right? And so the question we have to ask, too, is what's our reason for deliverance? What's God's reason? Are there people that just want to get fixed so you can live a better life, right? Your your best life now. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll submit to this thing. I'll do this so that I can get X, Y, and Z. Well, God's not in the business of peddling X, Y, and Z. He's not a vendor. He's not a vending machine, right? He is God. He is the creator, the author, the initiator, the terminator. He is the patent holder. He is the copyright holder. He owns all rights. He created everything. Everything serves at the pleasure, discretion, and for the glory of God Almighty. And that's the way it is. No matter what you've been taught, no matter what you think, no matter what you uh, believe, that What I just said is the reality. The playground you're living in is God's playground. And news, there isn't another playground to go to. Because the enemy doesn't create his own. The enemy can't even create his own dirt to create his own people. It's God. And that's the question. But what is the end of deliverance? We find part of it in, in Moses. Exodus 3 through 13. We find the story of Moses and Pharaoh. And the message of God through Moses was to let my people go right? Pharaoh wanted to use the God of Moses for his own purposes. Let me say that again. Pharaoh wanted to use the God of Moses for his own purposes, to bring a respite and an end to all the tormenting plagues of judgment. Pharaoh did not have a concern for God, and Pharaoh represents the enemy in his kingdom. He had no concern for God, only for his own personal needs. He didn't care about his people, He was a classic Pharisee, same spirit was in Pharaoh as the Pharisee spirits. The deliverance of the people of God was seen as a means to an end for Pharaoh, to relieve the suffering, the destruction, the torment, and get these people out of here, only to end in more destruction, both physical by drowning in the Red Sea and spiritual destruction because of the state of his heart. You see, deliverance is the pearl of great price. Deliverance is the children's bread. Deliverance's purpose is righteous judgment and is to bring glory and honor to God in obedience to him. He can work through us and accomplish what Jesus read 
He read the prophecy from Isaiah about himself. And I'm going to read that. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. And the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Jesus speaking, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and here it is, that he, God, might be glorified. That is the end game. That is the goal. Anything other than that is humanism. And so the question for us is, what do we see as the end? And it's okay if we've been deceived. It's okay if we're deluded. It's okay if we don't understand that. But it's not okay to stay there. How can we fight against this? We pray. We break those curses. Okay? All those things I mentioned in others. There are many, many curses described in Scripture. And yes, there are curses that affect us today. Yes, even born-again believers filled with the Spirit of God. And there are demons that work. I have an entire list of them. I have a couple pages of them. There are a lot who are involved. Every one of these things is a solvable problem by God that he's given to us through, again, the life, death, burial, resurrection of Christ and in his name. Right? Luke ten nineteen. We have been given power over all the power of the enemy, Jesus declares. And we can bind and loose and we can pray. So... Uh, I'm going to pray, and you just uh, agree in your mind. Those of you, um, just take deep breaths. Spirit demons come out through the breath, generally. You may yawn, may burp, you may cough, you I don't know, spit up, whatever. Just let them go. Again, there's no guilt, shame, condemnation, embarrassment. Uh, you know, if you've been in living in outright defiance, rebellion, if you're a child of God, God paid for that. And there's forgiveness, and he'll take care of that. But, but we can get rid of the things that cause that in our lives. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. You always expose the foes. You're always revealing what's behind the, the hand of the enemy that he's trying to hide in the darkness. Nothing can hide from you, your word says in the, in Psalms. That nothing hides from you. And Lord, you know everything. These are all creations that you've created, and you have given us power and authority over every single one of them, dominion over all your creation. And Lord, I thank you for that. I take that now, that authority, dominion, power, and authority in Jesus' name now. And all you demons that have been working in these people of God, all the demons marked for deliverance, I command you in the name of Jesus to begin to manifest and get out of the people now. Tell them to go. Tell them to go. Whatever is marked for deliverance right now, I lose angels, legions and legions of angels to go and to rout the enemy. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I send angels to go and incapacitate you and to begin to remove you, to be pulled out, to be removed from these people's lives in Jesus' name. These are the children of God. These are the born-again believers. This is the temple of God and the Holy Ghost. You're a foul, wicked invader here. And just like the priests in the temple would throw out the blemished lambs, we're throwing out these blemished entities. Now, in Jesus' name, I command you to get out in the name of Jesus right now. I break all these curses. Curses are broken. Galatians 3, verses 10 and 13. Talk about Jesus broke them all. Cursed is he who's hung on the tree. That's Jesus. And so now all the demons enforcing these curses, the curse is broke and your job's done, you got to go. Get out. In Jesus' name, I loose angels now. Burning judgment, destruction upon all these demons' heads. Come on, let's go. This is a huge kingdom. There's a lot of workers involved. Come on, let's go. 
out all of the curses of idolatry, the curses of the separation from God, the, all those judgments, idolatry, harlotries, the whoredoms, the adulteries, out in Jesus' name. Come on, all that separation from God, all you lying devils, all the doctrines of demons, the false doctrines, everything out of the belief system now in Jesus' name. I lose the spirit of truth. I lose the law of truth to go in and route out now. All that pride, come on, pride, big pride, little pride, king of pride, queen of pride, religious pride, spirits of pride. Come on, let's go. Leviathan, too. Let's go. Angels, go in. Cut the, the tails off and the hoods and suck them out. Pull them out now. Get out. All the arrogance and rebellion, the defiance. Come on. The spirit of Prometheus. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Even though you torment me, oh, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna rebel. No, no, you're done. Your rebellion days are over. That's it. The end of the line is here. And let's go this far, no further in the children of God's lives. This is the children's bread. Get out in Jesus' name. Come on, let's go. All the curse of adultery. Come on, let's go. Jesus' name. All those things that were lost, all those things that were separated, all that isolation, rejection, abandonment. How come God seems so far? How come everybody's against me and I, I just can't get along with these, these people? Come on, out. Out of the people. In Jesus' name. Let's go. All those who keep or own their, their cursed objects. Out in Jesus' name. Well, I love this to this biography and this person. And I, I just do a little bit. I'm a little bit. I'm a sampler. Come on, let's go. God is not a buffet. Let's go in Jesus' name. Jesus is John 14, 6. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to Father but by him. There is one way. Oh, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is death. Come on, spirit of death, get out. Get out. All that death, darkness, destruction, abandonment, rejection. Come on, out. Out of the people now. Let's go. Let's go. Those who are robbing God. Come on, let's go. The curse of forgetting God. The curse of robbing God. Out. Demons who enforce that. Out you go. Get out now. I, I lose restoration now. Angels go in and begin to restore and draw. I lose the spirit of sonship by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit of adoption upon the children of God now. Come on, let's go. All of those uh, abominations. All the perverse behavior. Come on, let's go. All that base behavior. Let's go. Come on, let's go. All of that dishonor with their own bodies between themselves out out all the lies the lies of gender confusion the identity thing and the and the and the body shape and the body image all the demonic lies get out get out of their eyes come on get out of their eyes demons angels go and rout him out there's blindness of elements upon you all you evil spirits all the workers of iniquity the soul hunters have been gathered and taken from these people in jesus name i send angels now to go under the sea under the earth on the earth outside of the earth where Wherever their soul fragments, their heart fragments, their mind fragments, and their brain fragments are stored and begin to put them back into these people's God. I call them out of those places. I command all those under uh, hypnos to wake up now in Jesus' name. Those on the river and Lethion, hypnos, come on, let's go. In Jesus' name, wake up. Get out of that, that fog, the confusion. The confusion, it's the fruit of the lies. All the spirit of lying. Come on, let's go. There's a curse of God against the liar. It's written in Proverbs and elsewhere in Scripture. Now angels go and enact the curse of God against these lying devils. Out. In Jesus' name, get out of the people. Come on, let's go. You're just a bunch of liars. In Jesus' name. Come on, I lose utter darkness. Psalm 35. Your way be dark and slippery. Come on, let's go. You got nothing. Your name will rot. The name of the wicked will 
rot. Your expectations will come to nothing. Their hopes will perish. You got nothing, kingdom of darkness. You have nothing, nothing to pay with, nothing to work with in Jesus' name. I send the angels continue to rout you out, separate you, isolate you, put you in chambers until such time as you're, you got to get out. Now, come on, let's go. Let's go. All the humanist spirits, spirits, all the humanist spirits. Come on, let's go. Let's go in Jesus' name. All these spirits of humanism, get out now in the name of Jesus. Come on, all that pride, arrogance, rebellion, intellectualism. Come on, let's go. All that oneness, that unreality, the oneness, all that deception of life, spirit of Antichrist. Let's go, spirit of Antichrist. Come on, another gospel, another Jesus. Come on, let's go. Another spirit, out. Yeah, there are spirits. Yes, there's spirituality, but it's not God's. It's not God's spirit. It's not the true spirit. There is one, and that's it. In Jesus' name, you got to go. Come on, all that self, self-gratification, selfishness. Come on, spirit of pleasing man, all the man-pleasing, all the idolatry of man, all that comfort. Oh, come on, let's go. The self-seduction, the willingness to be deceived. Come on, the spirit of willingness to be deceived and gullible goose and all those believing a lie. Out, in Jesus' name. Let's go. All that haughty. All that pride, come on, all that stiff neck, stiff neck man will be cut off suddenly. Doesn't listen to rebukes. In Jesus' name, you're being rebuked right now. Come on, let's go. Get out. In Jesus' name. Let's go. All that fornication, all this perversion, all the deviant stuff. Let's go. All the abortion, spirit of abortion, spirit of murder, whatever it is. The curse of the bastard maybe in some people's lives to be separated and isolated. Well, God gave up on me. I might as well give up on him. No. No, he never gives up. He doesn't turn his back upon his children in Jesus' name. Come on, let's go. Let's go. All that the euthanasia and fantasize. Come on, let's go. All that destruction of life, no value of life out in Jesus' name. All that arrogance. Come on, Antichrist, let's go. Let's go another way, an alternative way. Come on, shortcut. Well, this looks like a good plan. I kind of like this plan out. Jesus, of course you like it. Your sinful nature, the demons in you are calling out to like it. You got to go in Jesus' name. Come on, let's go. All that murder, rage, defiance, disobedience. All that disobedience. Come on, spirit of a diatrophies. Come on, the greatness. The greatness. Oh, man is great. Carl Sagan. Come on, let's go. Billions and billions and billions. Come on, let's go. We're so intellectual. Come on, let's go. Yeah, you're so intellectual, but you can't find God. Come on, get out in Jesus' name. Come on, the closed mind, the closed heart. Let's go. Childish, all the rested development. This is such an arrested thing, humanism. We're just like little toddlers walking around. Well, I want my ice, ice cream and cake and eat it too and my marbles and blah, blah, blah. And I want it my way. Come on, let's go. Come on, let's go intellectualism come on the spirit of the mind all the stoicism epicureanism all the platonic stuff let's go all the secular come on spirits of the secular teaching spirits of secularism let's go pragmatism moral relativism let's go come on let's go relativism i read the scriptures nope there's no way we can't figure it out god is the only one he god is the author of right and wrong god is the author he created the light and the dark i think he knows what he's talking about come on let's go all the pragmatism does Deliverance work? I don't know. I can't see the demons. I can't see this. Empiricism? You gotta go. Come on. All that ecumenicalism. Come on. All that one world stuff. Well, let's all kumbaya. Let's get together. Let's all agree on, on the base things. Well, that's the problem. If you agree on the base things, you've thrown out God's things. We agree on God. We rally around him together. All one connected to him. We're not connected to each other. Get out, demons. Come on. All those soul ties. All those soul ties. Get out in Jesus' name. I send angels in to cut them. 
sever them right now. Just come out of agreement with them, folks. Let's go. Just tell them these demons are pummeling you. Tell them you're divorcing them. You're done. You're, you just get out. In Jesus' name, tell them in your mind. They got to go. In the name of Jesus, all that superior. Come on, critical spirit, critical thinking, intellectual. Come on, Christianity's a crutch. You're so stupid. You can't prove God. You know what, demons? Scientists haven't figured out gravity yet, so take that. Come on, get out in Jesus' name. You got to go. You got to go in the name of Jesus. Come on, demons of lying, all that secularism, all the free will, that free will stuff. Come on, I choose. I'm the master of my destiny. No, you're not. God's exposed it. This is a ploy of the enemy. It's the enemy. It started in the garden. There's Satan and the demons who are working in your lives. You're not in charge. There's somebody who's got your steering wheel, people. Listen, God deserves the steering wheel because he created it. That throne in your heart is designed for God and him alone. The demons don't fit in there. God fits in there. Come on, get out, demons. All the doctrines of devils, all those false doctrines. Come on, let's go. The traditions of man, all the stuff that Paul wrote to Timothy about. Come on, let's go. The itchy ears. Let's go. Come on, always learning, never landing the plane and the truth. Out in Jesus' name, all the deconstruction. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go in Jesus' name. All that evolution, evolution, all the socialism, all of these tenets of humanism out. These are all demons, and they're all working to destroy you in Jesus' name. Out in the name of Jesus. All passivity. Let's go. Passivity. Come on, let's go. I'm just going to give up. I'm going to surrender my will. I'm going to give up this thing. All spirits of abdication. Come on. Well, I'll just let, you know, I'll let Sheila and Pastor Monty and Pastor Mark and others do my praying. I'll just listen to them, and I don't have to do anything. Come on, get out. Get out, passivity. Get out, abdication. In Jesus' name, all that that mind, all that intellectual stuff, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you and I praise you, God, that you love us enough to show us these things that you are showing us, and you have provided a solution for every single one of them because you are God, and you are complete. Second Peter 1, 3, you've told us your divine power Jesus has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And Lord, I loose more ministering angels right now to go and messenger angels to the spirit of truth now, the agape love and compassion of Christ and humility of Christ upon your children as they receive this message and they work through it and they receive the freedom that you have provided for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Mark, very quickly in the last part of the show, tell folks how they can get in contact with you. Thanks, Sheila. Probably the best way would be, since one is through you, probably, <laughs> they can just send a note to you or they can just contact our church at wccd.com. Send a note there. I think Pastor Monty will get it. So wccd.com or wccd.store. At the wccd.store website, you'll find some tremendous resources. There are many other teachings that tie into this teaching. Those are probably the best way, Sheila. Thank you. Excellent. Mark, thank you so much for your time and coming on the program tonight. And I really hope you come back and see us real soon. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. It's always good to be on a show with you. I appreciate it. Trust all the listeners will receive more freedom as they walk with Christ. Folks, that was Pastor Mark Sellers. If you want to reach out to Mark, just shoot me an email. And I hope you were very blessed by the show today. Please do support the ministry. There's a lot of giving options over there at SheilaZolinski.com. I thank you for listening. We pray for you all the time. Just know that. We will see you real soon. Good night and God bless you.